Change Voices, a weekly podcast where we explore the challenges, successes and lessons of leadership through the experiences of diverse women leaders across Africa and beyond. I am your host, Paula Frey, CEO of Frey Intermedia. During the past three months, we have spent time looking at strengthening ourselves, strengthening our organizations and strengthening our movements. Today, however, we spend time with Coach Shireen Matara, who came to our offices in Johannesburg, South Africa, to chat about strengthening our boards for good governance. As a coach, mentor and trainer, Shireen works with women leaders who seek to influence decisions at the highest level of society, business and community. She has more than two decades' experience in the non-profit sector as an advisor, researcher, manager, executive director, board member, and consultant. So, Shireen, welcome to Change Voices. It's really good to be speaking to you finally. Um, and we're going to discuss today about how we can build effective boards within the NGO sector. So, welcome. Thank you. So, Shireen, tell me about your own journey in, into NGOs and to NGO space. Um, so, I grew up in a family that was very community-orientated, very political, um, and obviously that sparked, you know, my own commitment. Uh, my mother was a social worker. My father was active in the UDF. And I think my passion grew from there. But then when I was at university, I became part of a women's group called Kopanang, who taught me a lot about feminism, women's rights, and so on. And that really made me want to work in the women's rights space. Um, I trained as a lawyer, and initially I tried to be a lawyer, but uh, it really <laughs> wasn't for me. And uh, I got my first job as the first employee of Tswaranang Legal Advocacy Center, and um, that was 1997. And for most of my life up to now, I've worked in the nonprofit space, um, primarily in women's rights, human rights, um, also for constitutional institutions, and it's really where my passion lies. And in various um, um, positions, right? I mean, you've worked, you were the first staffer, but you've also worked as executive director, mm-hmm. you've worked at board level. Um, because we're talking about boards today, I wanted us to actually start at the beginning and say, and to start off by saying, so why do organizations need a board? I think organizations need a board in relation to strengthening governance. Um, so often, um, you know, the executive director is primarily responsible for management, operations, strategy to some extent. But the role of a board is supporting the executive management to ensure that the organization complies with the laws and regulations of the country, uh, ensures that its ethics are good, um, ensures that it's paying staff well, that its, um, its practices are good. Um, so those are the kind of things that um, a board does for an organization. And who sits on the board, essentially? I mean, in general, it is people who are not part of the organization. And uh, board members are generally experts from different areas that can add value to the organization. So, for example, on the financial side, you'd have an accountant or uh, an investment manager or um, from a human resources side, you'd have an HR specialist or remuneration specialist. You know, those are in general, those are the kinds of skills that you would require on a board. Uh, in nonprofits, uh, it doesn't happen so often. You know, there's often a challenge with 
with boards or non in non profits because um, if they don't have the kind of funding to either pay board members or they don't have the access to networks to have influential board members, then they work with community members and so on, but they're not able to build the capacity of those community members and you know the board gets into a cycle of challenges that they often struggle to get out of. So you really are looking for a good mixture of people on your board that can kind of not only ensure good governance, but also ensure that there's a good mixture of skills that can support the organization. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so critical because often, you know, the executive director um, is one person who, who often does everything in the organization, especially when it's small organizations. And having the support of a board who can support with sustainability, who can support with access to networks and other opportunities, uh, who can support with supplementing skills, um, you know, is really valuable for a non-profit. So as someone who's reported to a board um, in various organizations, what lessons have you learned about that relationship of executive director and the board? Yeah, I think it's a <laughs> complex relationship, um, but I think it's an essential relationship. So often um, the director reports directly to the board chair. So the board chair is in a sense the manager of the of the director. And I've had in my role, I've had a very supportive board chair. Um, yes, we've had our challenges and but I think what is important is that there's a an openness in the relationship, uh, an ability to challenge and, and question, um, an ability to seek support. Um, so, you know, you want a, a board relationship between the executive director and the board that is that is open, that is transparent, but that also creates space for engagement, for critical reflection, because often the challenge is that because the board is seen as at a higher level than the executive director, there's the executive director often is, is afraid of asking questions or showing vulnerability because they, f they would feel judged by the board. And you sit on a number of boards um, at the moment. So what lessons as a person who's sitting on an NGO board do you see as a board member? Yeah, so I sit on three boards at the moment and I'm the chair of one of those boards. And, you know, it's, you know, the most important thing that I've learned over that time is that if you commit yourself as a board member, you really have to invest the time and the energy to add value. Um, I've seen so many boards and board members um, sit on boards and just see it as um, it's something on my CV and I'm, you know, and I just come to meetings and that's it. But other than that, I don't do much. I think as a board member, my commitment is really to adding value. And I do that in a number of ways because I come from the, okay, I come from the nonprofit sector, but I also have strong management and executive skills. Um, so I support human resources. Um, I've just finished a project where I've, um, with the Save the Children board, led the committee to appoint the CEO. So, you know, I think that if you want to be a board member, you have to really understand the commitment that is required. And it's also your responsibility to make sure that you educate yourself about the organization, about its work, and also about the sector that it operates in. Mm. And we've touched on it already, but what, do you, what would you say defines a good board? Well, I think a good board is a board that's there for more than just meetings. Um, it's a board where the, the executive di uh, director gets the required support and even the executive management. It's a, it's a board where there's a, a difference between the role of the board and the role of the executive, right? Because the board's role is a governance role, whereas the 
the executive's role is an operational role. And it's very important for the board to kind of steer away from um, being too hands-on in operations. Um, the other is that the board outside of the board meetings need to be supporting the organization. So, for example, when you have to appoint a new CEO, the board has to play an active role. One of the big issues that keeps arising now is around boards and sustainability of organizations. And I feel that boards have a big role to play there. Boards have access to networks. They have access to resources. In some cases, I mean, in the United States, for example, board members have to financially contribute where they are sitting on boards. In our context, that doesn't happen, but we also are very weak in providing access to support for organizations to, um, to fundraise successfully. I've actually worked with organizations on the continent in Africa where board members are expected mm-hmm. you know, to, to contribute financially to the organization. And it's a real challenge. I've always found that when it comes to boards, um, resource mobilization is probably one of the biggest challenges, yes. isn't it? Yes. Just generally. So, so what are the common mistakes or the common challenges that face boards that you deal with? Well, I think as the one I've said now around this operational invasion, mm. <laughs> which can, we can call it that, um, you know, boards being too hands-on on operations where they feel something is not happening and then they start stepping into operations and undermining the authority of the executive director and the executive management. But then the other part of that is boards being too hands-off. So, as I said, they just attend meetings and, you know, that's about it and not really worried about what happens to the organizations. And we see that not just in the NGO space, but in the corporate space as well. You know, the failings of these major financial institutions and so on is about, you know, board members either being blind to what's going on in the organization or just... Um, you know, stepping away from their responsibility in holding the executive management accountable. The other is also that board members allow the organization to kind of fall apart um, without providing the necessary support. You know, they kind of leave that all in the hands of the executive management who sometimes need the kind of strategic support from the board. Also, not having a clear strategy. Um, it's the board's role to ensure that the organization has a strategy. Um, and also have not having good financial practices. It's also, again, it's ultimately the board's role to ensure that the organization is financially sustainable, but also um, doing things the right way. So how do you do an audit of your board to make sure that this board is the best board for your organization? Well, I think you need to start with, I mean, not necessarily start with uh, auditing the board, but start with um, first being clear about what you need or who you need on the board, right? So you need to be able to understand, okay, these are the areas where we need support. So um, these are the types of people that we need to find. Um, and then I would say open it up. You know, I think a, the biggest problem with boards and I NGO boards, but particularly corporate boards as well, is this closed network that operates and then, you know, they only appoint board members from within this network and, you know, other people don't get an opportunity. And that's my big bugbear around why women, for example, don't get onto boards. So I think, you know, open up, advertise for that, put it broadly in your networks um, and give people an opportunity who show motivation and commitment. Because sometimes I think we want you know, the seniority, the authority, the influence, and so on. But those are the people that are so busy that don't really have time to, to you know, to do uh, significant work with the organization. And then you say, oh, I'm stuck with this person. Now, how do I deal with that? 
I'm, I promote this idea of looking at young people who are committed and motivated to be on boards and also people who have shown an interest in the work that the organization does and has a time after time been able to support the organization with what it does, you know, to get those kinds of people on board. Mm-hmm. I also, I'm, I strongly promote and I'm kind of actually working now on a board pack that I want to design for the nonprofit space around holding board members accountable when they are board members. You know, I think board members need to have, um, they need to sign a commitment to the organization around ethics and around what they're going to do. Um, they need to be performance managed in a sense. So, you know, what are they doing? What are they committing to? Like, I believe each board member should at least on a quarterly basis do one thing that supports the organization, you know, in either financial, strategic or whatever kind of way. And then their performance needs to be assessed overall. So if they are not doing what they need to do, then they need to move out. But the other problem that we see in in the nonprofit space as well is that you have board members who have been there for like 10 years, 15 years, and that is so, so problematic. So I think that for me is one of the biggest problems that the nonprofit uh, space faces. And executive directors almost feel um, powerless to, to challenge that and I feel that that is the responsibility of boards and board chairs to be able to recognize that, okay, there's a problem here. We cannot be sitting on this board for 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to, uh, from a governance point of view, from an ethical point of view, we have to make space for others to come into Mm -hmm. the organization. Would you recommend a time limit? Yes, most organizations have a time limit. So, for example, one of the organizations that I sit on, you have an, an initial three-year term, and then you are able to have a one-off uh, one extension of that three-year term, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Then you cannot come back onto that board. And I think that's good practice. You know, there has to be a limit to the time because part of what happens when you have board members that sit on boards for too long is that either they become too familiar with each other with the organization with the director and it becomes a whole little club around you know running the organization nobody gets held accountable challenges happen nobody feels free to speak because we close friends now and you know that kind mm. of thing so i really think i mean i think from uh, king's governance rules as well there are things about how we need to sh- you know board members need to have specified terms and need to step off a board you can go and join another board but you know you cannot stay on one board for such a long period of mm. time and the role of the chairperson becomes quite critical doesn't it yes. because a lot of this kind of pivots around the ability of that person to mediate between the executive director and the rest of the board mm. members a lot of chairpersons don't take that role very serious, quite often, um, seriously quite often. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it comes back to this point about um, I have the title, but, you know, that's about it. I'm not so much bothered or I don't have time to kind of give the attention it needs. Mm-hmm. The, the role of the chairperson is critical in many ways. One, as the manager of the executive director, CEO or whatever, um, and, for example, in my role as a, the chairperson of one of the organizations I work on, I meet with the, the executive director monthly. And that's a way of checking in. It's a way of supporting him. It's a way of making sure that what we agree to is happening. It's a way of making sure that the organization is continuing as it should be. The other part of the board chair's role is around making sure that board members are accountable, making sure that the board is functioning effectively, making sure that the organization is being supported. 
um, ensuring that we are complying with the rules and so on. And often you'll find either board, they don't even understand those rules. Um, if you look at nonprofits, for example, smaller nonprofits, they have no capacity to understand those kinds of things, you know. And I think we have failed the sector in a sense to not be able to provide some foundational governance support to non-profits to be able to ensure that at least boards have the minimum support required and board chairs have the minimum tools required to be able to run boards effectively. When do you take remedial action? Uh, remedial action as in? When, when the board is not functioning, when do you know that it's time to take remedial action? Well, I mean, there, there are signs, you know, there are lots of signs. One often is that the board doesn't even meet regularly. So, you know, you have board meetings planned and so on. Board members most sometimes don't respond or they don't attend the meeting. So you don't have a quorum to have your meeting, which means that, you know, these issues then get pushed back and pushed back. And a lot of time there are serious decisions that have to be made, like approving the financial audit or looking at financials or, you know, things like that. And and then those decisions don't get made and those affect the organization. Ultimately, that then affects the organization's relationship with its funders and its other partners, and then um, it starts affecting the ability of the organization to function. Um, the other is that also where uh, board members are not acting in relation to why they are there. So if I'm there because I have an HR-specific skill, for example, and when I get asked to support the board on looking at uh, remuneration strategy, for example, and so on, I'm never available or I don't respond or I, you know, I don't um, give the resources that are needed, then clearly questions need to be asked. But this is why I say there has to be a kind of performance management of the board. So, for example, at least biannually, the board should take stock of, you know, its commitment to the organization, what has been working, what hasn't been working, get feedback from the management, from the executive director, and then make decisions about, okay, how do we address this? Do, do some of us have to step back? Do we have to take, uh, in a sense, remedial action to improve the way in which we are supporting the organization? Um, but I'm, I must be honest and say, I, you know, I, you can probably count on one hand the number of times boards actually do that, um, and, and that's the biggest failing. So if I'm an executive director or a board member listening to this podcast, and I realize that we are in some sort of, of crisis, mm -hmm. how would you recommend we go about taking remedial action? What should we do? Well, I think, you know, I always believe in building... Um, building alliances to deal with difficult issues. Because the one thing I've realized also as a woman that's often a minority on a board is that my lone voice is not going to change things. So I would speak to others that I can see are in my corner, um, you know, in a sense, not bring up the issue directly, but uh, just have a conversation about how they think things are going, where they may be seeing things are not working so well, and then trying to build up a a bit of support to kind of put the idea forward. Because I think the challenge with, with these things is often that you're a lone voice and that you know you're going to be, you know, it's just going to be cut off and you're not going to move further. For executive directors, it's even more difficult because, you know, the board is at a higher level than they are and this, this kind of respect, trust, relationship, whatever the case may be. So I also say that with directors that they should 
make sure that from the beginning they build individual relationships with board members. So not just to have the board meetings and meet board members at board meetings, but engage with board members outside of board meetings, um, invite board members to support events and so on, so that when an issue arises, you know which board members you can speak to and ask for support and then, in a sense, raise an issue and have the support to have it addressed. How do you ensure that your board and your organization continues to grow? Um, you know, one of the things we don't do is think about board development. Um, I've had now many trainings around board development, but I think it is so critical. Uh, we have to train our board on what it means to be responsible for governance. You know, often we come as technical experts onto a board, but we don't really understand what the governance rules are. So it's important to train board members around that. It's important to allow board members to engage with people who work in those spaces. Um, so, you know, where there are events, for example, the Institute of Directors has events and so on. We should encourage our board members to attend that. Where we can afford it, I would say pay for board members to be part of the Institute of Directors because in that way they're able to attend a lot of events that will help them build their capacity. And some of this is the same applies to the executive director who in a sense is also an, uh, on the board um, but needs to also understand their role but also needs to understand what the role of the board is. And then I think that on an ongoing basis, it's this check-in that I've been talking about. You know, that is, are we following the rules? Where are we weak? What can we do to address that? Uh, what kind of tools can we give to the board to support the board to understand their role better? What support does the director need, for example, in order to be able to understand their role in relation to the board? So for me, you know, I think that's a critical part of it, but I think most organizations don't do it. We give a lot of thought to joining boards. Um, what kind of things should we consider about when it might be good for us to leave boards? Yeah, I mean, there are two aspects to that. The one is the personal reflection side of it, right? Uh, we have to understand our own contribution or non-contribution to the board. So if I feel that, you know, at this point where I am, I'm not adding value to the board that I'm on because I have so many other work commitments, then I need to think seriously about whether I should still be there. Um, you know, so... For me, it's always about if I'm not adding value, I need to take stock of myself and then either step away or say, give me a break for a certain period of time and so on. So you can also do that. Um, if you feel like you're at a point where you have a significant project or whatever at work and you don't have the time to commit to the to the board membership, then you can say, look, can you give me like a sabbatical for whatever period of time? I just need time to do this. Uh, I'll be back. Or if you feel that this is going to be a long-term thing or you're no longer interested, for example, in the work that the organization does or you feel the organization has too many issues that you just, you know, it just overwhelms you, then, you know, make a decision and step away. From a board perspective, um, I think boards need to also be conscious of that. So boards need to hold board members accountable to that. So if I see if as the board chair and the deputy chair, for example, we see that there are board members that are not actively playing their role, that are not uh, standing up to their commitments, um, that are showing unethical behavior, for example, or there's a conflict of interest in terms of they sit on two boards where, you know, you just see that they, these, these organizations in a sense compete with each other and they're focusing more on the other organization. 
then it is the board chair's responsibility to raise that issue with the individual board member and ask them to either resolve that or to step away from the board. Shireen, you know, I mean, I, I, I watch your work on social media and I'm always in awe of the fact that you just have so many projects, so much energy for the projects that you have and so many interests within the civil society sector. So how do you sustain yourself and how do you sustain the organizations that you work with? It looks like I'm doing a lot, um, but actually I'm doing much less than I used to. And that was because in 2015, I had a kind of major life crisis where everything fell apart. And it, it allowed me to take stock of where I am and what I'm doing. And in that way, I've been able to kind of focus um, in terms of what I do. So I have a primary focus on working for women's rights and gender equality, and that's also re reflected in my board work. And then I, I work on building fundraising capability. And then as a coach, um, I support women. But part of what I've done through my own coaching journey is understand my own limitations um, and also boundaries. So there are some things I just won't do because I cannot do it. And I will be very clear about the fact that I cannot do it. And there are some things that I will continue to do because I'm passionate about it and I feel I add value. So I do my board work. Often it's voluntary because I love doing that work. It's at the level at which I want to operate. So I feel that my skills level is quite strategic and therefore I can support board work to be very effective. Um, so, you know, so that's what I do. And I really try to make time, um, to have time out. I work for myself, so I don't spend the entire day working. I work for three hours in the morning. I take a break during the day. I can fetch my daughter at school, uh, do whatever I need to do. I may work in the evening if I want to. So I've you know, I've really started planning my life much better around how I take care of myself um, and how I try not to take on too many things and please too many people. I actually want to be, we've spoken about it, um, um, we've touched on it, but we haven't really kind of looked at it in depth. And I wanted to ask you, should women out there who feel that they have value to add to a board, should they be stepping out and offering their services um, I mean, the, 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 the real sense is that we wait until we ask to join a board. Mm -hmm. um, but would you recommend that women actually go out and say, I have something to add, I'd like to, to contribute? Yeah, I think so, definitely. I just think that, you know, unless we claim the space, it's not going to be given to us. Um, I recently wrote an ebook on why women should consider joining boards or, you know, understanding how boards operate. And it's going to be a series of ebooks linked to a program to train women to kind of deal with their issues around self-confidence, but also questioning their own ability um, and also then being able to step up to boards. Because, you know, I think I know a lot of women who are very senior, very accomplished and so on, but are scared to sit on boards. And it's often because the environment can be so hostile. But I believe that if we step into the space and we create a critical mass of women on boards, you know, then we can make it different for more women and for younger women to also start stepping onto boards. So, so I do think women should go out and look for opportunities. I joined the Institute of Directors primarily because I wanted to find board opportunities, not so much because I wanted to attend all their events. Um, so I think, you know, unless you take the step um, to show that you are open, you are available, 
um, you, no one is going to see you. And on that challenge, let's end the discussion. But Shirin, if our listeners want to actually hear more about what you're doing or, or, or look for these ebooks that you've been talking about, where can they find that information? So they can find it on my website, uh, shirinmotara.com. And then I'm also on Instagram um, and I'm on LinkedIn as Shireen Mutara as well. And they can find all the information there. Great. Thank you very much for joining us Thank today. You. Thanks. Thank you very much, Shireen. Beyond the fiduciary responsibilities that board members hold, this conversation has highlighted the critical nature of boards in sustaining organizations. Shireen started by clarifying the role of management vis-a-vis the board. She emphasized that the primary role of the board is to support the executive management to ensure that the organization is not only compliant, but practices good governance. A good board is able to support the efforts of the executive director in reaching the mandate of the organization. But how to achieve that is the challenge. Shireen has the following tips. She says we need to ensure that board members represent key sectors and have a good mixture of skills. Next, she says we need to choose board members who have the time and the energy to support the organization. She says we must ensure that board members understand and support the mandate of the organization. And finally, for board members to know when to decide to leave a board is as critical as knowing when to join a board. Shireen has many more tips for women leaders, which you can find on her website, shireenmatara.com. Do join us on social media to continue this conversation. You can follow us on all at Frey Intermedia social media platforms, including YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And do let us know if there are any issues you would like us to cover and if there are any women leaders whose voices you want to hear. Until next week, let's leave.